how's it going tonight, everybody? We outrun the real featuring Mike, Terry, Fox, and Dan. And we we went through a marathon, boys. We we ran <laughs> tonight. Nice. We did, didn't we? Yep. This movie is like almost three hours. So. Yeah, yeah. Although not the longest movie we watched in this series so far, our Akira Kurosawa series. This is true. It's true. He likes some long movies. And I like it when he makes them long. Oh, yeah. He's good at it so far. We'll see. We'll see if I feel the same about this one. But man, Seven Samurai was good. Oh, very good. He is, and this is the final movie in this category, right? Yep, yep. Whose pick was this? Was this Dan? It was. I picked Rand. This one was high on my list to see, so I'm glad you picked it. I've been wanting to watch this one for a while. Oh, yeah. It's my second time seeing it in 4K this go-around. Oh, really? That's cool. Oh, yeah. Do you think this one was a good, 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 good cap for this series, you know? We, we've done a lot of his stuff, and this is another one later on. But I think it really culminates a couple of the other ones we've watched. Yeah, it kind of combines. Yeah, it feels like it's kind of a... A style merge i feel like yeah two different movies we it feels like a combo of yeah throne of blood and seven samurai a little bit to me yeah and even some like early proto stuff we're gonna we, we we saw in dreams later i think even oh that's true yeah he made kage musha as like a prep film for this one. <laughs> oh really that's that's pretty cool kinda yeah kinda like it's it's its own thing, of course, but um, he had this one in the works or in mind for a long time. I couldn't get funding for it, <laughs> of course. Oh, I did see this was like the most expensive Japanese movie for quite a while. Held that title. He had to get help from some f- guy from France, I believe. Yeah, it was. That's I saw his what name the... in the credits. Yeah, I was like, that's. Like, not a Japanese name. Who's this guy? Yeah. Yeah, and all the, at least on mine, all the opening, like, credits, like, they were in, like, French or something. Yeah, they were. <laughs> yeah, mine too. I was like, what? I wasn't sure what I was about to be in for. I was like, I was going to see, like, some sort of dub or what? I wasn't sure. Well, that's what I was afraid of, too. I was like, crap, how did I get the French version of this? <laughs> <laughs> that explains a lot. French producer got it. So, of course, he's going to make it more accessible to the French. I'm glad somebody produced it. That's great. Oh, yeah. Same. We're going to do some uh, spoiler-free talk here at the first bit of this, and then we're going to get into spoilers a little bit later. So there will be a spoiler warning. You'll know when we switch over. So don't ran away yet. No. <laughs> ah. He's pushing his luck, boy. <laughs> I'm already out of running puns. Yep. <laughs> What's it about, Dan? Oh, yeah. Summarize this one. So, Ran is another adaption of Shakespeare from old Kurosawa. This time, though, it's King Lear. And Ran is set in medieval Japan. An elderly warlord is retiring, and he decides to hand over his empire to his three sons. However, he vastly underestimates how the newfound power will corrupt them and cause them to turn on each other and him. 
Yep, pretty much. Yeah, this is uh, King Lear. It's not a story I'm really familiar with at all. I, I think I may have read it or read some of it in English class at some point, but I don't know it quite as well as something like Macbeth, which is, yeah, Throne of Blood that we covered last week. I don't know it too well either, but I think it's three daughters in the play or whatever instead of sons. I just know it's a huge bummer and he's crazy. <laughs> sounds about yeah. right. Yeah. I'd say the movie succeeded on that front. <laughs> but this movie's, yeah, I wasn't sure what to expect, but it's like a pretty big scale movie. Like it's almost like political intrigue. It was like a Game of Thrones style, like samurai movie. It felt like to me a little bit. That's what I said to my wife. I was like, imagine cramming Game of Thrones into just three hours. And that's this movie. <laughs> Basically. It's, man, yeah, on a much bigger scale than I thought it was going to be on. Yeah, it's an entire kingdom. And then another one, too, I guess, on the outskirts. Yeah, and this movie does a great job of making you feel the scale as well that's probably what i liked most about it is there's just so many scenes of like big battles a ton of dudes dressed up in samurai armor and i will say there is a lot of shots of guys shooting guns but i did get tired of the shots of guys shooting guns at some point <laughs> in this movie like there is just so many people on screen um for a lot of it it is really cool. And seeing it in color, Kurosawa's other samurai movies that I've seen have not been in color, but seeing it in color this time was really well. I loved his use of color in this movie. Yeah, I agree. It looks great, yeah. Just as good as his black and white ones. It looks awesome. You know, I'll, I'll say I was a little wary of it at first, actually. It took a little while for it to grow on me, especially at the beginning there, which we can obviously get into that more later. But yeah, I don't know. I just felt like the other ones were so vibrant and black and white. At first, I was like, hmm, hmm, how is he going to be able to, to, you know, top that old stuff? Especially, you know, after we'd seen Dreams. And while it looked super good, I was a little, little unimpressed with some of the shots in that compared to these older samurai movies. But man, by the midpoint, I was sold. Yeah, I love all, like, the court color coordination. There's, like, a bunch of reds, a bunch of yellows, a bunch of blues. Like, each team has their own color. I thought that was fun. I liked that a lot. Helped me keep track of who was who, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's, who was on whose team or whatever. I think I mentioned it in one of the earlier reviews, but I think this is his best usage of color in any of the movies I've seen of his so far. I'd agree, at least from so far. I've only seen two, but yeah, I like this one better. <laughs> it looks good. Oh, yeah. I'd say it's it's almost integral to the, the plot of the movie, too. Because like, part of it, like you said, is um, all the, the three sons and the father all have their own colors that help you recognize what's going on and stuff throughout the movie. And then like the environments and things like that symbolize the emotions of the characters a lot in this too yeah and i mean like even just like the the violence like the blood like there's a lot of gore in this movie and it yeah it definitely hits harder i think when you get to see like those reds like oh man 
Man, I was very taken aback by that. This is like Giallo style, like <laughs> yeah, blood, like bright red, thick, oozy, <laughs> splattered yeah. all over the place. So much blood. I was not expecting a lot of blood, but man, there's a lot of blood. <laughs> this should have been a throne of blood. Yes. <laughs> I'd have to watch it again, but there's another film from his. It's a black and white one, actually, that I think has like the biggest blood spurt I've ever seen in a movie. It's it's bigger than anything in this. Well, I'd have to see because that one kill at near the very end of the movie is pretty, pretty bloody. But the one in um, Sanjuro is pretty, pretty bloody too. (laughs) I might know what you're talking about. I think I saw YouTube. I think it was that video we were talking about a while back about uh, every frame of painting. I think there was a clip where... He like slices a guy and there's like this huge explosion. I was like, oh my God, that might be what you're talking about. Yep. That's it. That's it. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, um, yeah. And there's like that one scene of the dude who's holding on to his decapitated, well, not decapitated, his, his arm or whatever that's got chopped off too. There's lots of, lots of violence that is not, shied away from on purpose in this movie to like represent how stupid all this is <laughs> i think this one really drives home the war point of it as opposed to like the other ones that were kind of more focused on some individuals yeah yeah war never changes yeah it never glorifies it all the like for the most part i guess the locations are very drab Two in this which helps to make all the color and the blood and stuff stand out a lot more it it does not glorify it at all which is which is cool it i think is important that he hit that tone especially for the subject matter of the movie yeah it makes it more serious yeah it makes it just more yeah of a tragedy because that's what the shakespeare play is it's tragedy makes more sense when it's more yeah taken very seriously too oh yeah the locales in this movie are just nuts i saw they shot a lot of it on like mount fuji again but also on like another volcano that's apparently the most active in japan but man all that black soil everywhere is so cool looking like where else do you find that kind of like landscape and aesthetic yeah love that and the castle sets they had so good I liked all the performances quite a bit in this, too. Um, I think, yeah, it's fun to see, like, each brother, because of the three brothers, they all kind of have a different take on how to deal with things. The, they all project their personalities in a really strong way. And same with the the Grand Ruler. I, I loved his performance from, like, going mad and being crazy, old and decrepit. Oh, man, he was awesome. Man, Tatsuya Nakada is always, mm, always just top-notch, I think. Yeah, he was very commanding. I will say they caked a ton of makeup on that dude, and I don't always think the makeup looks that great. <laughs> oh, really? those scenes. <laughs> he looks like a ghost. I love it. He's so ghoulish. <laughs> it, like, sometimes I do like it. There was some scenes where, like, there was fire around him, and it kind of looked like the makeup was maybe, like, caking and melting to his face. I was like, oh, he does not look that good. Um, but I loved his outfits throughout, yeah, throughout the movie. He had one that was like completely orange. 
Looks comfy. Yeah, I'd wear that too. Just wearing that around the house like a big old robe. Hmm, that'd be comfy. And you'd look good too. Oh yeah, <laughs> just answering the door in my ancient grand ruler outfit. Welcome to my kingdom. <laughs> this movie did win the Oscar for best costumes. Man, it deserves it. There's some sweet costumes. The, the armor set that I think. What's his name? Uh, the red guy, Taki Taka. What's his? Jiro. As a Jiro, Taka's the or Taro. He's the old one, yeah. And then Jiro's the middle son. He's wearing like some really cool armor. He's got like a vest on over his armor. He looked cool. I saw they spent like two years making all the costumes for this movie. There's so many of them. <laughs> yeah, he's got to outfit an army, literally, like a real <laughs> to get all those people wearing it. And I like too, like. All the samurai armor has been a bit different in each one of these that we've watched, too. So they've really been showcasing in all these different movies. At least the samurai ones. Like, all the different styles of samurai armor. I I think they... Well, I don't know. Throne of Bloods are pretty... They're all really good. I don't know which one's my favorite. It's hard to pick. The vests, things in this one... Whatever you call them are really, really cool. <laughs> I do think I probably like Toshiro Mifune's arm, armor and Throne of Blood the best. Oh, yeah. With that moon crescent. It was so sweet. Yeah, that's true. It is cool to see these in color, though. See them in their full, you know, visual aesthetic glory. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. I also loved the, um, like, soldiers had little flags on their back. And even on the horses, too. I just loved watching a ton of dudes in samurai armor run or ride horses with those flags. Like, it was so good. It was so cool. I've never seen anything like that at this big of a scale. That'd be, like, hard to do, too, right? With, like, coordinating all those people. Oh, jeez, I can't imagine. Yeah, I, I wondered, because there's some scenes of, like, maybe... 80 dudes riding horses right by guys running and i'm like that's probably not safe like by today's standards <laughs> and i wonder if anybody got hurt making this i thought i saw one guy get run over I was gonna say there horse. was definitely at least one guy <laughs> oh yeah he got he got trampled a bit but there, there's a ton of people like when they're charging down the hills that would just like fall over <laughs> <laughs> go tumbling too wow which was which it adds to the realism aspect of it in a funny way <laughs> even though they just tripped you know <laughs> like in my mind i'm like well they're professionals right they know how to fall off horses and get trampled they're definitely just not some local joes from the town over who signed up to be in a samurai movie yeah so i can ride a horse kind of let me do it yeah i'd hope so yeah, there's a ton of them taking dives off the horses in this. See, so yeah, everybody's getting shot. Yeah, they're all falling off their horses. A <laughs> L- little too overdone at times, I do think. Just how many s- scenes there are of, like, dudes getting shot, falling off horses. Come on. The gun line? That's great. The the gun line that, like, never has to reload. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's a constant fire. It's epic. It's the uh, the old uh, the the three three row formation. 
It's epic for a little bit. I think some of it could have been cut. Like, if I was in charge, I would have cut some of that. I do have some beef with the guns, but it's in spoiler territory, if we're ready for that. Before we do that, should, like, we give, like, a a brief overview of this, like, I know we always gave, like, the uh, synopsis, but should we go more in-depth about what happens in this? Because there's a lot that goes on. <laughs> yeah, please do. I need a refresher. I I can do it. So this movie focuses on the Ichimanji family. And I apologize in advance if I get any of these wrong. Our favorite Tatsuya Nakadai plays Lord Hidetora Ichimanji. He's the aging warlord who spent 50 years conquering the land, right? And burning down all his opponent's castles and seizing them for his own. And he married two of his sons off to the daughters of two of the conquered castles. So he's been fighting all his life. And he's like, you know what? I'm I'm an old man now. I can't even hunt a boar without getting tired. So I'm going to come up with the plan. I'm going to split the realm between my three sons, but I'm not really going to give them all the authority. I just, I'm going to make them do all the hard work so I can lounge about, basically. And the eldest son, he gives the main castle and he gets frustrated because his father is what should we how unruly. should we describe him yeah that's good mike he's unruly and so he ends up kicking him out um and then the second son jiro is mad because since he's the middle child he has to be subservient to taro his older brother and he never gets any of the good stuff. And so him and his advisors are like, oh, yeah, we're going to rise up against Taro and uh, take the throne for ourselves, you know. So why should Taro have it? He's a weakling. And then um, he ends up turning against the father, too. Though he tries to be sneaky about it and gets caught. And so the father just leaves. And then um, the third son, Saburo, is very um, vocal about his dis disagreements. <laughs> yeah. But he comes from a good place, not just being a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even though he's, he, doesn't, he has no tact, he ends up getting banished by the father. And so he's not in the picture for a long time, but he goes and allies with two of the father, Hidetora's, um, I don't know if they're friends, but he fought with them during the war. He conquered them. Did he conquer them? Okay, I wasn't 100% sure if he conquered them or they fought together. So, um, Sabro goes with those, those two that he's conquered, right, and ends up getting married to one of their daughters, so he's a relative now. And so he's gone for a lot of it until the very end because the father goes mad, basically, because the sons start fighting and everything, and he's been kicked out of everything that he, he wanted or loved to. He basically becomes banished himself. Like they you can't nobody's allowed to to like host him or anything. So he's like wandering the countryside all 
Yeah, he's basically homeless, yeah, with his posse. I feel like a lot of the uh, the interactions with the father putting people in places to take advantage of him and then being like, but why did everyone take advantage of me? <laughs> but it's done in a much more fun way. <laughs> That's like the gist of it. The two sons, Taro and Jiro, work together to kill off his like host and try and kill him, but he ends up going mad and they let him go that's just a brief overview i've left out a ton of other important characters i'm sure we'll talk about in spoilers i guess we've hit it dan ran with it and now we're at spoilers in the spoiler category we try and keep it contained to the story and acting first and then the visuals and audio after but we we do jump around a little bit but we try to keep it contained so well you know I don't know if this is spicy. Don't know if anybody else feels the same. Might be uh -oh. a hot take. Coming off of Throne of Blood, right, which was very, like, no theater influenced, had a lot of really stellar performances. There's a couple characters in this movie who also, like, adhere to that style. But then most of the other characters kind of just do, like, a regular sort of method acting style. And it kind of just left me feeling a little disappointed in comparison. Like, I felt like, you know, the two people doing the no theater stuff were doing it because they had the chops to do it. And I kind of felt like with everybody else, they were like, well, maybe don't do it, you know? Maybe maybe you can't pull it off like these two can. I don't know. I, I just kind of would have liked to see more of it from the whole cast. Well, what what do you mean exactly by, like, them not being able to do it? So like 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 the old man, right? Tatsuya, you know, Nakadai, our guy, right? He's extremely like animated in his facial expressions. Whenever he like moves, he has a lot of like really not jerky, but like um what's the word I'm looking here? Like precise movements. Very like focused, going to like a certain place. Deliberate. Yeah, very deliberate in everything he does. And then um, the wife, you know, wife of the eldest son who becomes the wife of the middle son. Cade. Lady Cade, yeah. She is also very much in that style where she doesn't really move a lot, but like her facial expressions are super over the top. And when she does move, it's very precise and deliberate again. But everybody else is kind of just walking around like normal Joes doing their, their samurai feudal Japan thing. I just feel like it really would have pushed it over, pushed it over the top to like even another level of epicness if it had kind of been like Throne of Blood where more of the cast was in on that. Gotcha. I think that would have been really hard to make work, though, with the type of movie he's going for with this one, because this is like a huge cast, whereas no theaters like one two people i think it's not very many you know and like throne of blood throne of blood's just like I, I don't know i think that's like a lightning in a bottle situation for like blending those two things you know movie and theater because that's a very personal story to a couple people in particular whereas this one you've got like three sons the father and then their wives and their generals and then the their friends and advisors and then people across the land and stuff oh yeah going on it is really good when they're doing it though i i will agree with you on that it does give him like 
gravitas. Yeah, I like. I mean, yeah, I kind of like. I don't know. I don't. I, I wouldn't say I like. I like that they didn't do it, but I, I I like when I guess maybe what I'm trying to say is I like it when the the two characters you mentioned, yeah, Hidatora and um, Cade, those two, they're kind of doing it the whole time. I, I do like their performances a whole lot, uh, and I think it kind of makes sense because it kind of gives them a like like Hidatora. He's a he's gone mad, and so like it kind of gives him a special like air about him, anyways. I think with the the way he's presenting himself and I mean Cage, she's like a psychopath, so I think that kind of and maybe reasonable. She's got pretty good reasons for doing what she's doing. <laughs> but um it's uh it makes her a lot more menacing too, I think, because she's reminded me so much of the yeah, the wife from Throne of Blood. Like she was very much the same character, but maybe with different motivations, but the the acting style and everything was pretty much the same, I thought. She gets more direct involved in things <laughs> it, it's cool with Hidetora in this because he starts out as the great lord right and he's like still retaining his title and all that stuff so he's very dignified and he's got this otherworldliness about him because he's this this great warlord who fought for 50 years and conquered the entire kingdom right but as he slowly goes insane, he starts becoming more erratic in his facial expressions and his movements. He doesn't move deliberately anymore. He just he's running around and jerking around as he goes more insane. So it's really cool um, seeing how he changed from going from that more deliberate style to how he ends up at the end. Oh, yeah. And that's what I love about it is just like how easy it makes it to like see and dissect their changes like i feel like the, the brothers taro and jiro who don't get exiled and stick around are like almost interchangeable like you know they're obviously they got their different armor colors and have different plot things happen but they're both just like cowardly complacent kind of you know lethargic dudes well i wouldn't say i wouldn't say that about jiro he wants to be like his dad and just be like you know, be a general and be like, oh, yeah, I can attack and take whatever I want. You know, he's he's kind of arrogant and he's stupid at the same time. And that's his downfall. Taro's like the thing that surprised me the most in this movie, you know, is how quick Taro gets killed. Like <laughs> there's a ton of setup with him and him and Hidatora right are kind of the they instigate everything that ends up happening at the start but jiro gets him killed like an hour into the movie that was super surprising to me and it it kind of cemented in my mind that okay jiro's gonna do what it takes he's gonna be as he's cowardly in that he shot his brother in the back well he didn't do it but he had his man do it you know but He's very unscrupulous. <laughs> he does a lot of dishonorable stuff. I feel like they're similar, but I don't know if they're... Yeah, I wouldn't say they're quite the same. I, that's weird. They, because they're both kind of like... They follow Cade's instructions no matter what. <laughs> like, Cade's really the one in charge for most of this, it feels like. She's influencing them both, but... 
It's where it's like, I feel like Taro's almost feels like he's like stuck with her. And whereas Jiro, for whatever reason, is like obsessed with her and wants, wants her to be his wife. I think we all know the reason. <laughs> for whatever reason it could be. <laughs> but yeah, they are kind of similar, I would say. But I, I like their dynamics. Um, It was interesting. I thought just, yeah, the middle brother being angry that he didn't get it just because he's the middle. You know, I, was, I get it, I guess. Well, I don't really feel like he's angry until Cade tells him to be angry. Is it, no, he's talking to his generals uh, before he meets Cade um, about the uh, he wants to be leader. And they, they mention that, oh, and Cade would be suited for you as well. And I think that's what suits his uh, or fits that in his mind. He's like, oh, yeah, Cade's my my girl now. Well, that's true. I guess I just feel like by the end he's become the same thing because he's not being a general and taking no. what he wants he's he's a horrible leader he, he, yeah <laughs> he's well he's, he's not a general and i think that's the problem he thinks he can do it but he can't he should be listening to his generals do this stuff but he gets so arrogant by the end that yeah he he, he just is an idiot and is telling his people to go run to their death <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah he watched his father do it the whole time and thinks he can just do it too but yeah he should have Man, what's his vassal? His head vassal. Oh, name? I it's love like... that guy. Uh, Kuro Kurogane, Kurogane, maybe. Oh yeah, man, Kurogane is a bro. Man, that dude is awesome. <laughs> He's like, watch out, <laughs> this chick's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is not putting up with Kate, and I loved it. Yeah, man, Kate. Kate's trying to get uh, Jiro to kill his. Ex, well, still his current wife at that point, but he wants her dead, or she wants her dead. And uh, so both um, Jiro and Cade both tell Kurogane, hey, go chop off her head, you know, and then he comes back with this little statue and he has this like goofy story about, ah, but she was really a fox. <laughs> he's like playing it 100% serious, but you know, you could tell he's just like spitting in their faces, basically. Oh man, I loved it. It's it. I don't know. Um, this one doesn't have any like the mystical stuff in it, like the Throne of Blood did. I don't know if the play does. I could have sworn there was like the Fates or something like that in King Lear. Oh, I think King Lear himself, I think, is like a mythological figure from like Celtic lore or something. Oh, is he? Okay. But I, I kind of like this. It felt it was a different vibe, and I was kind of expecting it to be the same. So I kind of liked how different it was. But it still's got some interesting themes about. Like we were saying earlier about the, uh, you know, Taro and Jiro, they've watched their father be this ama like amazing quote unquote warlord, this guy who's conquered everything. But like people who are born in war, you know, and they've seen war, all they know is, and have experienced really is war. And that's like what they've looked up to. That's where they're going to fall. Like there's, I mean, luckily, like Sabaro seems pretty level headed if he's not a little arrogant himself and poorly worded, but you know, like. I like the the idea that yeah even that in peace times like it's only inevitable when there's been so much war in the past like the the crimes of the past are gonna crawl back up the the hauntings of war are gonna keep crawling back from the depths. They're all a bunch of schemers. Yep, nobody's <laughs> satisfied with what they've got. Nobody. Everybody wants the throne. Man, they do. <laughs> Even though it drives them crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Makes them do horrible things. But they want it. They want to be on top. Except Saburo. Yeah. 
He just doesn't want his brothers to be up there, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, I really like Saburo. Like, I get, you know, that, like, he's not there because, like, this is the story that we got to tell. And, like, you know, the movie is what it is, you know. But if there was, like, another movie, a spinoff of whatever Saburo gets up to, I just think he's, like, a soup, like the super cool, I don't know, best samurai out of all of them in the, well, not all of them. Pretty fond of Tango and the other the other retainer. We just said his Kurogane. name. Kurogane. Those two are the best. But then Saburo. I love that dude's character. I don't know. You know, he has no tact, but he's he's got, you know, the best for everyone in mind. And they don't make a weird thing about him. They don't like martyr him or make him be like, oh, I gotta do this to save you all. He just, like, rolls with the punches and is like, you know, if you're not gonna listen, guess I gotta leave. <laughs> Coming back now to help out. Yeah, he's like, well, I guess I'll come help you, father. Yeah, he's like, sure. Yeah. I was kind of surprised that he, yeah, just completely disappears to, like, the last third of the movie. I like to imagine he was just having a grand old time. It's like, peaceful. He's like, living the life everybody else wanted to live, but he was just like, yeah, just having a good old time, you know, sipping tea, getting to know his new family. Gets married to a wife who doesn't want to kill him. Yeah, he's got to <laughs> suck blood out of his neck. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God, yeah. What a creepy. The Cade is a psycho. Yeah, she's into some weird stuff. And Jiro is all for it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's like, yes, please. What do they call that? It's uh, He's he's scare-roused, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think I wrote like three notes being like, Jiro, man, you got to see the signs. This isn't going to end well. Like, <laughs> But no, he doesn't. He's He is into it. Yeah. Cade is pretty interesting in this. What did you guys think about her ultimate like reveal at the end? It made sense, I thought. Uh, it seems like every other person they meet in this movie is like, oh, yeah, you murdered my whole family. You know, you, you cut out my eyes or you did something to me. But... I'm here, and it seems like all the side characters have some sort of weird, like, yeah, you guys have done some bad, bad stuff, your family to mine, and I, I felt like it was like, yeah, I think these people probably deserved what happened. <laughs> okay, she's not a good person either, but it's like, causing all that death is only going to cause more death in the long run, you know? Yeah, not everybody can be as forgiving as, like, Jira's, Jira's original wife. Sue. Cade's like the opposite of Sue. She is vengeful and, yeah, very manipulative. You guys know me, you know, I love a character that's just, like, driven by one thing, one goal, that embodies something. Although I think she might embody hate instead of just regular vengeance. Because I don't know if Sue had to die for the kingdom to collapse, but she was still like, nah, not just kill her, I want to see people die. She wants to torment Jiro. She's like making him do these things. He's like, yeah, you're going to you're going to kill her for me. It, for me, she was one of those characters who was so like over the top, you know, that I was kind of annoyed with her the first time I watched it, you know. But then when it gets to the very end and you like it, it like it's one of those moments where just everything clicks right at that moment and you're like oh okay you know and so i i really found that pretty cool because i i didn't see it coming you know i was just like eh, she's just the crazy over the top lady you know that they put in 
these sometimes. So, but no, she actually, like Fox said, she's got one thing in mind and she's going to do everything she can to make it happen. Yeah, I'm with you, TV. She was good. She was kind of like horrifying at times, too, in the way that she was played. Um, so she was interesting, but she does kind of fit the bill of like every character they meet. Um, it's like, oh, your your family killed my family. But she won't be made a victim like the other ones. No, I got when she whipped out the knife and started like going at Jiro. I was like, mad respect for <laughs> 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 she has got the the gall to just go up and threaten him. And then like, yep, we're married now. You know, like or like we're going to be together. <laughs> like, Dang, she's got confidence. You got to respect that. That was crazy. That's, you know, once again, a red flag if any person does that to you in a relationship probably shouldn't uh you know <laughs> commit to that but um hey kate you know she knows what she wants she's <laughs> she's gonna i think you know like i said her she's gonna i don't necessarily agree with all the death and stuff but hey i get it i do get it <laughs> when she was like i want sue's head and make sure you get some salt so we can like look at it I was like, oh my god. Like, that did put a chill down my spine. It's like, she is not just killing people. She's gonna, yeah, really milk this. Ugh, that was disgusting. But, yeah, I, I thought her character was really interesting. See, I, I don't know if there's a character like her in the King Lear play or anything. But she she really harkens back to, like, the like Troy, you know? All that stuff. She's like Helena Troy, but actually has a role in it brings the downfall of the entire kingdom and gets everybody killed. But it's it's her choice and her plan that succeeds. So it's pretty cool that she has a lot of agency in that regard. I mean, her death was amazing, too. I love that oh. when Kurgai <laughs> just walks in and, like, slices her head off. <laughs> that was so, so much satisfying. Blood. Yeah. And it was like, it's, that scared me, too, because it's quick. Like, he pulls out that sword and just, boom, and then blood just goes flying. You don't even, like, it's off screen, like, the cut, but the blood goes flying. That was so cool. So satisfying. There was one character that I did not care for much in this movie. I don't know this character's name, um, but she follows um, the warlord around and, like, sings and stuff. I did not like that character Kiyomi? one bit. What? Kiyomi was so funny. No. He's awesome. He was I love so him. good. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> he was so funny. Jeez. I, I feel like that character was just too much for me because like the dude would be going insane the warlord's like picking up the grass and that character's like singing a song and i was like okay i think this is a little too much for me at this point but just because it like kept happening i i could have gone without that character i feel like or at least fewer songs fewer dumb songs <laughs> He he's very weird, but that's what I really like about him. He's just like I think he's mad too in his own way because he's just he obviously shouldn't be singing about what he's singing about sometimes. Like I think at the beginning, yeah, he's like singing about how the king is a fool swaying back and forth or whatever. And it's like <laughs> what do you so expect good. to happen? <laughs> yeah. But I kinda like that's also mad respect. <laughs> Kill me. Yes. Says it how it has it is. No filter. 
of like a thing with like medieval feudal jesters and court fools in movies. They just like make such like they sing such dumb songs that often are like they don't even rhyme. They're like bad puns, and then everybody at the court is like, "Ha ha 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 ha!" So funny, and I'm like, "But was it? Was it really have... that sick of a bird?" <laughs> it was all all Hedatora's guard was singing along too. They're like, "Taro's the dummy." <laughs> what I needed was I think it was. Toshiro Mifune in Throne of Blood when that one dude's singing the song he like oh, comes no. in he's like dude shut up like I was like where is Mifune get him on screen with this character to we shut up get that. when that guy comes up to like murder him but then uh, the old man blasts him in the back with an arrow before he can get killed I just don't know why everyone even cares why do they care so much what like his job is to be a fool but then they get mad at him when he is a fool well, Ta- Taro gets mad at him when he's a fool. Uh, so does Hidatora. Uh, he he, do, he does not. He, they're like friends, but like, yeah, Hidatora also is like so mad at that guy all the time. Yeah, he throws <laughs> him on the ground at one point. <laughs> they have such like an interesting relationship, right? Because um, Kiyomi tells Hidatora when he's being an idiot in this movie, and he does it in a funny way with his songs right but i think he kind of listens to him when he does that too he might get mad and chase him around with the sword but <laughs> it's not like he's gonna do anything to him i mean he killed that one guy just to protect him it's interesting and i mean at the very end too the only people who end up with him are the fool and then his vassal that he banished too which i think is kind of telling right because at one point kiyomi's like now who's the fool when uh hidatora has gone mad and i was like "Ooh, that's that's kind of a really cool role reversal there you know he he like showcases what hidatora is thinking and feeling sometimes too even though hidatora can't say it out loud you know gestures are weird like what did, we, what did I watch? Uh, the I think me and you saw Fox the Northman. There's a jester in that movie, and it, I, that kind of like cleared up the role of a jester to me. It was like, for whatever reason, the jester's just allowed to say whatever they want, and like <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> but usually they are like, I mean, they're like you know. In this case, I feel like yeah, Dan's right. He, they've been around for so long as a trusted confidant. Like it's someone around to like speak their mind and not feel like pressured to follow be politically correct whatever you know i don't know if that's the right term <laughs> maybe not uh you know but it doesn't worry the, the gesture doesn't worry about you know stepping on toes they're just gonna say it how it is or whatever and um sometimes that's good to have somebody like that like but in this case the lord is like banishing every single person who <laughs> does that to him so it's <laughs> I'm, not you know, I'm fine with the yeah the talking speaking your mind saying it like it is maybe just don't put it in a dumb poorly worded what? song <laughs> <laughs> the character felt very shakespeare to me and it was kind of like off tone at times i don't know that's kind of what i got from it I could see how that character would be a little annoying. I could see it. I could see it. But I I liked him. He's a weirdo. I don't know. He's just <laughs> such a strange character to include. You really probably didn't need him. But I don't know. He's fun. <laughs> well, I did like how the relationship like developed and how their dynamic changed. 
because you're not wrong about like how it comes to him being there at the end and their role reversal. And I do like how the dude like goes to leave him at one point, but then is like, crap, you know, I've made my life, my career as a fool to this one guy. Like who else would possibly have me? Yeah, he has his own little character arc because he's talking about how he shouldn't be in that situation and stuff, you know. And I think he wanted to, to kill Hidetor at one point, too, but he didn't do it. He needs, yeah, he's singing, like, weird songs. Like, when, yeah, he's like, where am I? Like, obviously, the old man is confused. But he's you're in hell. <laughs> this is where <laughs> you, your sins have come to haunt you. <laughs> Maybe don't say that to the senile old man, <laughs> but, I mean, he's kind of not wrong. Oh, man. But we should talk about Hidetora boy, so we haven't talked too much about him yet. Nakadai himself. It, it It's so cool, like, how he falls from grace in this, you know, and he basically has to live through all the ghosts of his past deeds throughout like his journey in this film and then it all comes back to haunt him and costs him his all his sons and stuff is really really well done oh yeah i i like that too like just like i was kind of like yeah looking back at his legacy and seeing like what he really accomplished and stuff and it's like hmm you're a pretty bad guy like yourself you act like you're yeah you deserve all this respect but really if you like look at it you're like well you just caused a lot of problems and hurt a lot of people to get where you are so is it you know it's kind of uh yeah coming back around on you i love how that like diverges from i guess like what my understanding of king lear is because it sounds like in like the play like people are just mean to him because he's old and crazy but like wasn't a bad dude in life but in this one, it like, you know, like at first you're like, oh, like he's just trying, he's tired, he's old, he wants to move on. But then we just learn more and more for three hours about yeah. <laughs> how many awful things he did and how this is all deserved. It's like he's in his own purgatory and having to go, or his own hell. He really is in his own hell, basically. You, you might not be to... wrong about purgatory, though, because by the end, he's just sad nobody even thinks it's worth it to kill him. He just can't die. He can't find a weapon to do it himself, either. Yeah, and he just, he really is, he's like, he gets trapped inside his own mind. Yeah, he just is a madness. What a good scene that is, when he's trying to find a sword to, like, do it. Him just walking out of the burning castle, like, all ghost-like, and creepy looking i was like this is that's my favorite shot of the whole movie it was just him looking like some sort of ghost just a, the shadow of a man yeah when he, he was sitting up in there and all the fire arrows were coming in around him which i think it was a little excessive how many of those there were <laughs> what um <laughs> it's like throat of blood <laughs> slightly fewer than throat of blood <laughs> slightly slightly fewer yeah but you could see on his face how he was just, like, losing it. There was another scene I liked with him. It was pretty early on in the movie. I think he was meeting his middle son's, like, wife. And she was being, like, really nice to him. And he was like, act like you hate me. You know, he's like, I know you do. Um, that scene was really interesting, I thought, for his character. That was the one of the turning points where... Of the many he has at the start of this movie where he starts going downhill and he's like, oh yeah, nobody actually really likes me. They've just been 
putting on a facade because I'm the king. It's interesting, too, that he would be, I guess, so naive after spending 50 years conquering the land, you know, just to give it all to his his sons. Saburo tried to warn him, <laughs> but it, it, it's it's interesting. He wanted to, like, have one last hurrah where he was still the head honcho but didn't have to do anything. Yeah, he did not take his retirement well. Like, yeah, because he, yeah, he does. He's like, yeah, I give you complete control. But then really what he means is like, I still want to be respected like I was and have the same you know power that I did. But nope. Taro's like, nah, you're below me now. You said it yourself. You know, sign the contractor. You will be punished. This kind of thing. It's like, dang. But I don't blame him because he is a fussy old man when he is trying to do stuff in, the, <laughs> in Taro's castle. <laughs> man, he is. It's interesting how... Once Saburo gets back in the picture that this mad old man that everybody's like, ah, just let him do his thing becomes like the the bargaining chip that everybody's got to get to at the end. Saburo really shows his character, I think, when he shows when he learns that what's going on and shows up to save Hidetora, even though he'd been banished by him, you know. I thought that was a really cool character moment for Saburo, especially when he does find him. Yeah, all the people that he like rejected, you know, they they're all the most loyal and they they're gonna they love him no matter what he does. Like he just needs to learn how to like treat those people better, I guess. Yeah, because they're the only people who are willing to put up with him. It's so sad too, and they shoot Saburo at the very end too. Oh man. What a moment that was. I didn't see it coming. Come on. I hated that, and I have a gripe with this. Too many characters die by getting shot by a gun off screen. It's very unsatisfying to me, and that one there, I was, that made me mad. Like, that was very upsetting. I, I think that's the intent, though. I get that it's the intent. But it's it's not satisfying, and I think that's probably what he's going for. But I did not like it. I still will critique it. Happens too much. Some dude gets... He's just chilling, walking along, and then gets shot from nowhere. They do set up that he's get, they're going to get ambushed. Yeah, it is. it does come out of nowhere. I get why he wouldn't like that, though. Yeah, that's. I was I mean, surprised it, he hadn't been shot at at that point, to be honest, because I was like, man, when's the hit squad going to show up? Yeah, why did they wait till they had a touching reunion and then shoot him, huh? <laughs> to make it tragic. That's how you do it. You let them ta get a taste of happiness and everything's going to be okay, and then you kill them. Ah, I guess that is... <laughs> That's very Shakespearean, yeah. <laughs> that's how Cade would want it to be, so that's how they'll do it. I, I kind of agree with you, Mike, though. Like, I think the fact that both, like, Taro and uh, Saburo both just get shot from off-screen, like, they could have at least changed it up for one of those guys. That would have been nice, I think. Maybe some stabbing or something. Come on. Gotta, gotta slip somebody in close past the, the bodyguards for that. Yeah, but in the in the midst of war, oh yeah, this is the time. Everybody's gathering around the castle. Do it. Go stab him. Taro, that is. Be hard. He'd get shot. Just say, yeah, that's what makes that's the shooting true. easy. <laughs> <laughs> the assassin would just get shot off screen, probably. Yeah, dang. I mentioned it before, but I do think that there are too many scenes of 
like a bunch of dudes just shooting things. Um, there was probably about like maybe eight minutes. That's what it felt like of the movie. It's just dudes shooting things, um, like close up shots of them, shots of people like falling off things after they've been shot. Um, like I'm all for some war scenes, but I do feel like a lot of that could have been cut. This movie's almost three hours and I feel like some of that stuff should have been cut. I, I see where you're going, and I think the movie kind of indulges in it a bit too much at one point and then does it right in another part, right? Because I'm assuming your main problem is the battle at the end where all the guns in the forest are just destroying the cavalry of Jiro, right? And they just keep shooting them and shooting them, and they do it for like five minutes it feels like it just showing similar shots of them just shooting and shooting and shooting and not much is going on besides people getting dehorsed you know um but then when jiro and taro taro team up to kill try and kill hidatora i think they do it right in that time because there's a lot of shooting involved but they're always like advancing you know they're always fight well they're always fighting but you know they're they're moving up and pinning people back in the castle you've got people um having to retreat and people move up there's more movement i guess involved in it It is, there's a lot and like it really drives home like the stupidity of jiro like just keep sending the horses uh but i would say we get it yeah we don't need to to see that so much like it looks cool like the when all the smokes like flying past them and stuff after the shooting they shoot like their volley i like i like the look of it but yeah it is a little repetitive man maybe i'm i feel like i'm the opposite of everyone now i guess i i would have cut more of the jester and just more of what? the general conniving because there was a lot of long drawn out conniving scenes and lots of very detailed planning that i feel like we might have could have picked up from context clues i don't know but man every time there was a war scene i was just like i don't know i felt especially the one in the middle the first like time we get a really big battle man i just like it's like a trance almost like my jaw drops and like until it's over i'm just like glued like i can't look away i'm like oh my god the horrors of medieval war, the, 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 you know, the, the guns now, they couldn't know. They have no idea what, you know, pieces of metal projected that fast can do to the human body. But there is a lot of it, you know, and yeah, if, if it's not your thing, yeah, that's fair. The, the third castle assault's gold. I think that is the, like, highlight. Yeah, I love that. That's so good. And just like, the the stylistic choice they made that just cut out all the sound and have that creepy music playing during it, just like, man, that just cements home Kurosawa's attitude towards war and the battles in this is perfect. It's like, it, it's so good. I feel like it influenced like every major war movie after it. So much of this, I feel like you can see in like, like, you know, like, I mean, obviously Last Samurai, for sure, takes a ton from this. But even, like, Saving Private Ryan and these other big post-2000 blockbuster ones, like Fury, yeah, I mean, they all make use of, like, techniques in this movie. 
don't get me wrong too fox i love all the war scenes in this because they're so well done and like the the message he's trying to get across about that this is dumb you know is handled really well i do enjoy all that and just seeing all the extras and stuff and how they filmed it was really cool i just think that last fight maybe the guns might have been a little little too long yeah i didn't mind it too much it's just i do like looking back it's like yeah we saw that gun line shoot like 10 times like we probably didn't need to see it because you're right dan i think there's just no progress scene besides people just falling off of horses randomly like that's not quite as satisfying as seeing people like get into a new room and shoot at new different objects and people like that's more fun or more exciting now maybe yeah fun's not the thing he's trying to get across it is still kind of fun to watch but i, I like i mean it looks good i'll give you that while they're doing it i just wish there was some more variety like all those dudes do have swords it would have been nice to kind of like see the big battle like big big battle with some more sword action going on that's what i wanted to ask you guys because i was curious if you're expecting this to be guns only for the most part i was not expecting that and i, I mean i was okay with it except for like so many shots of people just shooting guns got too repetitive for me. But I'm like, okay, yeah, they would have had to reload too, but it seems like they don't. They've got the formation. Those dudes in the trees? Yeah, yeah, you know, the the ones in the front shoot, and then the next ones come up and shoot, and the guys in the back reload, and then the third row does it, and then they swap again. Man, that would have been a good shot to show, like, just for some variety. Like, just having them switch spots. Well, that's fair. That would be a lot more extras, I guess. But yeah, that's, true. <laughs> that's true. I think that's how that works, though. Yeah, back in the day, like even with like uh, you know, in the Revolutionary War, that's how like what the British would fight. They'd like kneel down and just shoot straight lines at people. Yeah. And then yeah, just go into the back and wait their turn to shoot again. I think that's what they did. I don't know. I'm not an expert at war history, but I like to believe that's what they did. Anywho, I guess we kind of already talked about visuals or audio. Do you guys have anything else in particular you want to, like, touch on? So I wanted to ask you guys about the final shot of this movie, right? Which, you know, for you listeners to refresh, is of Sue's brother, right? So her clan was destroyed by the, you know, the, the main family. And her brother lives in isolation in a shack because his eyes were gouged out by our, our illustrious lord. So the final shot is just him left alone standing on top of the ruins of his family's old-timey castle. And like we've talked about, what sets Kate apart from the other people that were like attacked by that family is that she isn't going to be a victim, and she like makes her revenge happen. So I guess I'm curious, like, what do you guys think he's trying to say with this final shot, and like, why do you think he chose that character, who's like a pretty minor character, to cap off this massive epic war drama. I'm, st I'm still kind of like grappling with it, kind of pondering it. I'm not sure I totally get it, to be honest. I don't know. I liked it, but I'm not sure. It's like, it's very somber because he is such a minor character, but like he is, I mean, he suffered a lot, but I don't know. I don't know why they linger on him. Is he just another casualty and we're just, like finishing up like yep yep that's another one another poor soul or like it's like war where what is it good for <laughs> i don't know Absolutely yeah, maybe it's just like nothing a, like what's <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I think that's what he's going for he's like this is the outcome 
of all this, you know? It's like, because that, that guy's a complete victim of everything, you know, that this family's been doing. And so he's left alone by himself. His sister's been beheaded. He can't see. Um, so he's going to die there in the ruins of his home. So I think that's just like, yeah, it's just a showcase. Like how bad and dumb and stupid all this stuff is. The innocents are who suffer. Well, he's got like the Buddha scroll, which he drops accidentally and then it unfurls and there's like a spotlight on the face of the Buddha. And I'm like, is he saying that like the Buddhas aren't dead and there's still goodness in the world? Or is it like a mocking, like there is no God, everyone's going to die kind of thing? I'd co I'd completely forgot about that whole thing too when we were discussing it. I do think there's like an underlying like criticism on religion in this movie too. Like very minor in comparison to the rest of it, but I mean like Sue is totally converted to like Buddhism or whatever, you know, and she's trying to use that to cope with what happened to her. And yet she still ends up dead, you know, so the Buddha did nothing to protect her. And she's like, here, have the image of the Buddha to her brother and look what ends up happening to him. Yeah, I just took it as like he was a completely alone, even the remnant of his yeah sister. There's nothing left. It's all been destroyed. Yeah, and it's like his God won't help him or anything, can't save him from what's happened. Well, gotcha. Yeah, I was just curious. I thought it was like a weird way to finish off the movie, but also an impactful scene, just a weird way to finish it. <laughs> <laughs> and a cool shot. Just, yeah, his like silhouette on the long shot on him on a hill, just looking down. I thought he was going to jump off. That's what I thought, too, which I think almost would have made more sense to me if we had seen him jump off. Yeah. No, no, he'll just get shot. From someone on yep. screen, someone. <laughs> <laughs> one lone survivor of the war is going to blast him <laughs> one more time. There's so many good like visual moments in this movie. Like that whole third castle assault is so good. I think my favorites: Hidetora sitting in his in the castle, um, and all the arrows are like flying in and. Um, he's just sitting there. I think that's my favorite part. And then, like, all his, like, concubines getting shot before oh, him, God. too. That it's was like, brutal. Such a brutal sequence. And it's like, yeah, now it's like your concubines are defend the only people defending you now. It's, it's like, oh, so much meaning in everything that Kurosawa does. Yep. I mean, yeah, all the, I've already spoke to you on the shot of the castle burning, which is so cool. I, there's so many, this whole, this whole movie looks great, I think. I've got no complaints, except for maybe like the weird jump cuts when the boars are running around at the beginning. That was a little, little clunky, but I mean, I kind of get why he did it. He probably just didn't want to have to wrangle all these boars to do exactly what he wanted. Uh, but, uh, but besides that, everything looks great. Mm-hmm. I think I like the visuals and just like the set design, the costume, all of that stuff the best in this movie. That was my favorite thing, was just kind of watching it. 
there's not a lot of music in this. There's like the scene you have when they invade the third castle, um, with the music in it. It's really good. But I was kind of surprised. There really isn't a ton. It's kind of mostly just dialogue for most of it. If I'm unless I'm forgetting like some key stuff. Well, yeah, there's the blind Creepy guy. His flute. flute song, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's got the flute song. <laughs> Just <laughs> like, hey, that. man, I'm blind, and bursts into a flute riff so sick it blows Hidetora's mind, or whatever that <laughs> yeah. name is. Like, I gotta, I gotta get away. It's so, it's so cool. <laughs> he's melting my brain. <laughs> Very creepy. They bring that back again, too, at an impactful moment with him, which was nice. Well, have we done it? We got the overall presentation. The finish line that we ran all the way through this. <laughs> I'm ready. So we got a scale we use to rate these movies. I guess from burn it, pass, watch it, or buy it in that order. We're all going to give a little spiel, our own personal spiel. Um, and then I guess you'll just have to find out where we each land. Hmm. But, you know, this movie, there's a lot of like political intrigue and betrayal. And it reminded me of an old fable about some podcasters that were each uh, um, uh, granted a seat at the Grand pod castle yeah um and <laughs> you know they were all there but then there's one guy who got selected to go first and it was a it was a guy named terrence but <laughs> the other three were like no no this cannot do and so through some some conniving terry terrence not terry no it's a totally different guy was quickly <laughs> eliminated and then then the next guy was like Fox, he was like, I'm, or I mean, Foxua, he said, I'm going to be the one to rule the pod castle. And he sat up there on the throne, but Tim quickly too was betrayed and fell. Then it was this guy named Daniel who was like, yes, I am the ruler now. I <laughs> have all the power. But even him, he was quickly fell by the last man of the the podcastle, the ruler of them all, Mike. Oh, oh. yes, huh? <laughs> I'm, I'm the ruler, huh? The podcastle. Yes, and so, and in, in honor of that, you know, let's not go through all of that uh, political intrigue and backstabbing. Let's just let Mike go first. So if he wants it that bad, let's just let him have it, you know? Uh, yeah, that's fitting, I guess. I could rule here for the review. Um, but maybe not. You know, I I liked this movie quite a bit. Um, my favorite thing was definitely watching, just watching the movie. The visuals, the costumes, the set design, the amount of people on screen. Um, this is like the first movie I've watched in a long time that I would say is like truly epic. Like it's grandiose in scale. And you feel that watching this movie. And that's what I appreciated the most. There's a lot to the story. There's a lot of characters that are interesting. A lot of motivations, things going on that play into it. But if you're like me, man, you could just sit back and watch this movie. I've, I've ran it through the review queue. And um, Ran is actually a buy it. I did buy Ooh. this movie on... On Prime, it was like four bucks to rent it and eight to buy it. And I was like, hmm. And I looked at some screenshots and then I was like, okay, I'll buy it. 
Well, man, I, I think Mike hit it on the head there with just the scale and epicness of this movie. I was not prepared for that coming in, you know, and I, I, I feel like this kind of belongs in like the same conversations as like your, you know, your, your Gone with the Winds and Citizen Canes and Lonesome Doves, these old timey epic, you know, big moments in cinema, which is why I liked it watching it. You know, I, I like I was saying, I, I kind of took me a little while to be sold on having color from like a Kurosawa samurai movie. But by the middle, by the time we got to that first battle scene, holy smokes, blown away. Literally sat there with my mouth open, just entranced. It was crazy. I think I'm leaning towards giving it a buy now, you know? I think in the same way I said it belongs in a conversation with those. They're all kind of watch once and, you know, so you can say you've done it. But honestly, this one is just so cool. I mean, how can you not love samurais? Come on. They're like one of the main awesome kid things up there with like ninjas and astronauts and stuff. I'd give this one a buy. Not only is it a huge piece of film history, it's an awesome movie. It's super cool. I I think I like it more now talking about it with you guys. So I think it's a great conversation piece. And I did the same thing Mike did and went ahead and oh, bought it because yeah. I was like, well, it's not that much more. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I like to hear. I can't believe I missed this bargain because I would have bought it too because I love this movie. I thought it was awesome. It might be my new favorite samurai movie. I might like it better than Seven Samurai. I'm not sure. I'm still kind of, I don't know, debating that in my mind, but. I'm leaning that way because this is really cool. It's really epic. It's more of like a political intrigue kind of thing, which I wasn't expecting. A lot of like kind of backstabbing and machinations, but it's really interesting. And there's a lot of cool themes and ideas, great visuals, of course. Uh, I don't know. I love pretty much everything about this. I would definitely give it a buy it. I wish I had bought it. Um, I may have to rectify this at some point, but it's one, one that I don't own already. So, but I, I should because it's great. This is great, man. I love me a good epic three hour or almost three hours with this one, but it feels like three hours, you know. <laughs> I love those style of movies. They're so cool um, just to see somebody truly talented be able to pull it off. And man, Kurosawa is so good. This feels like the culmination of a lifetime of directing movies you know it's like everything that he's good at is hitting a hundred percent with this movie i think it's got the best usage of color out of any of the movies of his that i've seen um and that's saying a lot because that guy really knows how to utilize it once he started doing it i don't think it's my favorite kurosawa movie i still like rashomon the best myself but Man, it, it's up there with Throne of Blood and Seven Samurai for me. I like it quite a bit. Um, so yeah, definitely a buy it. Get it on 4K. If you can play a 4K disc, it is definitely worth it too. <laughs> there you have it. The, the culmination of the Kurosawa series. Yeah. Ended just how it should. Excellent. All buy it. It's perfect.
Did you like this one better than Seven Samurai, Mike? Did you, you gave the Seven Samurai a pass or a, a watch? It. You did give it a pass. You gave I a gave. It. Yeah, I like this one better than Seven Samurai. I think Rashomon's still my favorite as well. Um, that one is just so good, and I should watch it again soon. But I like Seven Samurai. It's a good movie. I like watching it more for historical uh, viewpoint than anything else, though. I think his other works are better. Which do you guys like better, this or Throne of Blood? Because they're very, they've got a lot of similar elements to them. Man, I think I'm on Throne of Blood, but Toshiro always makes me biased. <laughs> <laughs> I think I like this one better. I like certain aspects of Throne of Blood a lot not maybe not a lot more, but just more. But I think as a whole, I like Ran just a lot better. I think it's a little more focused and the kind of i mean there's some like nit, little nitpicks that i had with throne of blood that like you know there's like they kind of time skip and kind of reveal some stuff this one that really takes us time and kind of sets up everything which i really liked i think i like throne of blood just a little bit more than this one and i'm not 100 percent sure why it's one of those aspects they're so like i think in my like letterbox thing i have them right next to each other and like my uh, favorite movies list i think it goes like there's throne of blood and then this one's right underneath it so that's it's it's tough it's tough they're both handled extremely well and i think each one has something that i like better than the other one in it it's just yeah it, it's tough i watched throne of blood and this one like pretty close together the first time i saw either of them so i might have had some bias the first time i watched it because I was like, ah, oh, that they're just doing what he did in Throne of Blood again, you know. But after the second time, I think, yeah, I think Throne of Blood's my favorite of the two, but not by not by a whole lot. Well, now we're done with Kurosawa. What's next? Hmm. Well, boys, it was getting warm outside, and for some reason, when it does, I want to watch some blockbuster movies, some summer blockbusters. Well, I tell you what, yeah, I've, I've, you know, I've been thinking about one, uh, one classic popcorn flick in particular. It's 1994's Speed, featuring Ooh. Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock, the OG, not the OG. There's a ton of stuff older, but you know what? It's the <laughs> goat. It's the OG of Speed. I don't know. A need for Speed. <laughs> but yeah, I just watched this last year, so. I'll be excited to revisit it. I used to watch this a lot when it was on TV. And you may have inspired another pick of mine just by that pick, Fox. So find hey. out if it if I end up picking that <laughs> one or not. Mm. <laughs> but uh, in the meantime, if any of your listeners out there want to get in contact with us, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter at Run the Real. Or you can email us at runtherealpodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up. I would love to hear what you think about Rain. Is it the best Kurosawa movie? Where's it rank? What is the best one? All this kind of stuff. We need to know. Kurosawa's, he's a classic. He's got so many good movies. Yeah, anyways, thanks for listening to us tonight. We really appreciate it. This is Run The Real, signing off. (laughs) 